Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming to you live from Los Angeles, California, welcome to Basketball Adjacent, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gerald Smith. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to today's episode of the Basketball Adjacent Podcast. I'm your host, Gerald Smith. I uh, wanted to introduce a very special guest that we have today for episode four, uh, my boy, Max Hazard. What's good, Max? Good, Jay. Appreciate you having me, bro. No problem, bro. I appreciate you for coming on. Um, I can only imagine how busy your schedule might be right now, uh, especially during quarantine. How's the fam? Are you held up at home with the family? Or are you somewhere else? Everything's good, man. Yeah, I'm back at home at the crib in L.A. with my parents. So just trying to trying to stay busy, man, trying to stay creative as much as possible, you know. I know we're never going to get a time like this again. So try to make the best. Absolutely, absolutely. And I've been telling everybody I spend most of my time kind of just, if I'm not working, enjoying the time that I get to be with my family because, you know, it was going on, what, like five, six months now we've been at home. So it's not not very often you get this this much time to spend at home with the fam. Ooh, for real. I mean, I hadn't been, obviously, I hadn't been, like, staying at home in, like, five years, you know, just kind of being in school. Even when I was at UCI, I was, I was really just kind of back and forth, you know. So home yeah. wasn't home-based until now, you know, since high school. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying my family and my parents. I'm sure they're sick of me, but I'm enjoying it, so. <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. Um, so, I mean, we can get straight into it, man. Um, I know that you just finished up your last year of hooping at Arizona, um, but we'll get into that. But I feel like, you know, for those of us, uh, especially me, you know, having a personal connection with you, but for those of everybody who's been following you for a while now, um, coming out of L.A., they know that your first trek through this basketball world was at Loyola High um, and then to UC Irvine. So kind of talk to us about what playing at Loyola meant for you, um, especially, you know, the the blue blood program that Loyola is, especially being a high school in L.A. I mean, it's it's been a wild basketball journey for me. You know, I, I feel like with every journey, it's it's a roller coaster filled with, with ups and downs and the highs and lows. Um, and, and Loyola was a great experience for me. I initially, I went to um, Campbell Hall for middle school. I was playing with, you know, two great players and, and Max Heidegger and, and Aaron Holiday. But just being real, it was, yeah. it was like, I love a trek every day, getting to yeah. the valley. Yeah, I can imagine. Right? And... I mean, the tuition at Campbell Hall is crazy compared to Loyola. My, my older brother went to Loyola, Jacob, and uh, kind of always wanted to follow in his footsteps. I, I'll touch on that later, but ended up going to Loyola. Had a great experience playing for, for, for Coach Adams, um, you know, from my, my freshman year all the way to my senior year. So, I mean, I passed Loyola today driving to go pick something up, and I, I kind of always get those chills and that, and that good feeling. So... Uh, trust me, I, I understand. I was fortunate enough to go loyal in my freshman year uh, of high school, and uh, things didn't quite work out just because, like you said, I mean, for me, Loyola was still a little a little bit of a financial challenge, and I didn't live quite so close to Loyola, so I ended up uh, transferring. But I, some of the dudes that I had the, the opportunity to meet at Loyola, I still talk to to this day. Um, obviously, that's how I met your older brother, Jake, and, you know, that ended up to, to us meeting and stuff like that. So I'm definitely – grateful for everything Loyola gave me. So I definitely understand what you mean. Um, so coming out of coming out of high school, um, you know, hooping for you, you obviously had a very successful career at Loyola. Um, were there any other places that were recruiting you before we get into UC Irvine and why you chose to go there? Yeah, I mean, for me, um, playing basketball in high school was, was always fun, but, but yet yeah, interesting. 
I was, I mean, I was playing with, with Parker Cartwright, one of the best players I've ever played against. One of the best players I've ever. Yeah. Uh, Real seen. LA legend. Not, Real not, very LA. Many, not very many of us can be the, the focal point of the LA AAU movie. Man, I mean, Parker's one of the best ever, one of the realest people I know. Um, but always kind of playing with him in high school. I mean, he was the best point guard in the city, you know? So, I mean, I knew I was going to play either behind him or, or be off the ball, which I was 100% fine with, you know? I, I know how nice he was and still is. Um, so just kind of filled just with, with time, you know, with everything. I just kind of became more of a two guard. Yeah, and I kind of into my skills of you know being able to shoot. My brother was a deadly shooter, and I saw you know the impact that he had on every game. And so I kind of just with the way basketball was going, with you know my current situation at Loyola at the time, I was like, damn, I gotta really focus in on this J, and I really just gotta do whatever to help the team win. I ended up kind of becoming you know just a natural scorer, just a natural two guard, and being you know five eleven, that's that's tough when it's, you start talking about colleges and, and really getting recruited. So, yeah, a lot of times, you know, I'd have a lot of interest from these high major schools because I was balling, but with my size, you know, my stature and, and the position I was playing, it was going to be kind of hard. I wasn't anybody's really first option. Um, but I ended up getting a scholarship my freshman year to UCI. When you get a scholarship freshman, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to get everything, you know. You kind of fast forward just my career I didn't end up getting everything I, I wanted you know it was still a lot of mid-major schools a lot of Ivy League schools that I didn't end up you know getting into just because I wasn't the best test taker but UCI just kind of ended up checking all my boxes great academic school they had just made the NCAA tournament coach used to um, coach for the Warriors coach Russell Turner who's still there and I mean they recruited me in my freshman year you know they offered me a scholarship so it was ended up really being a no-brainer to get that you know high level of education as well. Um, yeah. So glad I went there. It was the best thing that could happen for me. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand. And, you know, to have a program like that that noticed your talent so early on and to rock mm -hmm. with you throughout your entire high school career, I'm sure that made a big difference as well. Like, you know, they, they never, never shied away. They were always in your corner. Exactly, literally exactly. So, um, so talk to us about your, your first few years at Irvine and kind of the role that you played when you first came in. I mean, I'm coming out of high school, going to UCI, who was a mid-major, still is, but definitely at the time, more more than I guess we are now, not as recognized as we are now. Um, you know, I'm coming out of high school. I'm coming from Loyola. I just average 19 points. You know, I'm not really looking too much at the roster. just kind of being naive. Good thing to me. I'm going to step on the campus. And that just wasn't really the case. I had other plans for me to redshirt, to, you know, kind of work on my game, to to be able to fill into, you know, those shoes of being a college point guard or just a college guard in general. Something that I thought I was ready for, um, but maybe I wasn't as ready as I needed to be. I ended up, um, I tore my labor my senior year in high school as well. So kind of going to UCI, I was kind of going in somewhat hobbled. Yeah. And they chatter of you know them redshirting me so I ended up working out kind of got the medical redshirt um I had my shoulder surgery my freshman year and then you know my sophomore year or better yet my redshirt freshman year I kind of filled in I ended up starting like my first eight games or so because our best player went out with a pulled hamstring so that kind of you know I kind of got a 
jump started into into the starting lineup. I kind of got jump starting into my college career, mm-hmm. and I was I was solid. I wasn't great. I made shots here and there. You know, I had a little turnover problem, fouling problem, just trying to figure out college basketball. Um, but it ended up all working out, man. You know, with time, was just staying in the gym, working on my game, listening to the coaches, and just being that team guy. You know, it kind of ended up working out, you know, ended up figuring out how to play college basketball and, and be a real college guard. Cause yeah. it's really just, it's really something to figure out as you know. Yeah. 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 And at, I'm so glad that you said that it is something to figure out because a lot of people uh, don't really understand how hard it is to figure out how to play in a college system, but also how to come back and figure out how to play in a college system after having been injured. Um, so what was kind of like the journey for you coming back to being full strength um, after sustaining those injuries? Because I, I know personally, having seen firsthand some of my teammates at UCLA and the struggle that they, you know, went through with similar injuries or maybe in some that were more severe, like the right. the recovery process that goes into that, like it's literally, it seems like it's more mental than it is physical and even more mental than playing the game of basketball itself. Right. I mean, you talk about more mental. I think college basketball in general is, is more mental than than physical. I mean, everybody at that level can play. You know, everybody can jump out the gym. Everybody can, everybody can handle. So it's really about who's good in between the ears. And when I had to kind of go through that journey, it was really just another journey. You know, I felt as if I was under recruited, so I had to work harder. When I got hurt, I had to work harder. You guys didn't think I was good enough. I had to work harder. So that was really just the consistent journey. You know, it was really just about being, you know, consistent, persistent in the way I'm go about my business every day. You know, I got to put my hat on every day at practice. Um, and, you know, it was just just really just staying with it. Even the dog days I didn't want to or, you know, that recovery process is anywhere from six to nine months. And I had to do it twice in college. So just being able to stick with something and, and get the job done was something that I've learned. Um, and it's just going to help me, you know, further in my future. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, not to harp on the injury, but I had one more question about it was, Obviously, like you just said, you had to go through it twice. So what is the thought process behind, you know, your mental? First of all, you get injured, you go through recovery, you get back, you finally start to get within the swing of things, and then you sustain the same injury. Um, how, does, how, how, how does that affect your mental? How does that affect your, your approach towards, towards the game? Or what are you thinking going forward at that point? I mean, it's really just as corny as it may sound these days. It's really just the Kobe, the, the mama mentality, you know? <laughs> I mean, I watched Kobe – we all watched him. Yeah. You know, through injuries, through trials, through, through it all. Kobe ain't never quit, never gave up. And, and, you know, we're both from L.A. We both know what Kobe means to absolutely not, to the city. So it was interesting. I mean, Kobe had the shoulder thing. And uh, I ended up having it twice. After my first year playing, um, the next year when I was coming back, I toured my labrum. Literally the third play of our first exhibition game against the D3 and it was like damn man I don't know if I can do this again I don't know if I can do another six to nine months after I just crawled my way back um I just don't even know if it's worth it at this point so I was kind of going through that but you know thankful for my my family and my friends and, and my teammates to help me just push to help me just try to get through the season and I did I had a decent season um Came off the bench all year, but made some shots, made some big plays, had some really big games, important games. Um, we came up short to go into NCAA tournament, but, but we we climbed back and and played the same team the next year, and, and we got the best of them. So ended up working out. 
Yeah, yeah. And then going into your, um, I guess, what would be your senior year at UCI, but kind of like your, your red shirt junior year, um, how did you see right. your role evolve uh, at UC Irvine? Because uh, just to name a few of the accolades that yeah. you ended up getting that year was, you know, you ended up being Big West Tournament VMP, MVP, sorry, um, and then going into your uh, historic NCAA run that you had that year. Um, kind of describe to us what your role looked like that year. Yeah, I mean, man, I, I'd love to. That's the best year in terms of sports that I've ever had. It was it was cool because that year started off with us going on a foreign trip to, to Seoul, South Korea. And uh, I wasn't able to play. I was still recovering from my shoulder surgery that I had in the offseason. Um, but it was cool. We ended up having a, a grad transfer, Robert Cartwright, come from Stanford. So, honestly, it was like – Robert's okay, a dog, I, too. He's a dog. Hey, I remember playing against him when, we were, when I was at UCLA. He's a dog. Literally, like, that's the best way to kind of ex- describe Robert Cartwright. And I knew that. Um, and I remember Coach called me. I'm going through my surgery. I'm still in, you know, the big sling per se. And he called me like, look, we're about to bring in Robert Cartwright potentially. There's going to be another guard. You know, it's not going to affect, you know, your minutes or anything, whatever, whatever. And I'm just like, damn, I was just coming off the bench. I just had shoulder surgery and you're bringing in another grad transfer guard. So, okay, fine. Back back to the lab. I got to be – if I was going to be 100%, now I got to be 130 so I kind of started off that year just really in the lab, really getting my body right and really just honing in on my skills. Um, and I kind of knew, truthfully, I had promised myself, okay, when they registered when they registered in my freshman year, I promised myself that I was going to grad transfer. I just owed it to myself, you know. I'm, I'm going to go to that big-time school, whether it's UCLA, whether it's Arizona, whether it's Miami. I'm going to go to a big-time school, enjoy my college experience, and finally play in front of 15,000 every night like I've always wanted to do so and in the process I'm gonna help my team win so anyway I come back get healthy and I had the best year honestly of my career I mean I've I I had a game where I hit 10 threes I you know I had a 37 point game I ended up winning MVP I got second team all conference which was hilarious um but we went 15-1 we only lost one game that always ends up working out Man, yeah, it's it's all good. It helped it helped push me when it was tournament time. Um, but yeah, special team, special group, special coaches. We ended up just figuring it out, man. We clicked at the right time, and uh, I mean that team was was honestly it was it was a magnificent ride. And getting to the NCAA tournament, something that every every basketball player, you know, growing up wants to be a part of. So man, yeah. A lot of people ask me, a lot of people ask me nowadays, like, what is my most memorable memorable part about playing college basketball? And I say, like, even if I wasn't, you know, playing, because I was a walk-on, so I got in maybe, like, once every couple of games. But the atmosphere in the NCAA tournament, bro, was the absolute craziest thing I can say I've ever experienced. And I'm so glad that you brought that up, because my next question, you know, obviously people remember specifically from that season is that really, really big game that you – um, and not just you, but UC Irvine had uh, that first game of the NCAA tournament when you guys kind of upset K-State. Um, so yeah. kind of describe to us what your what your mindset was going into that game. Obviously, you guys were an underdog. You're coming yeah. off a, a Big West tournament MVP performance. So how, how does that work for you? It, it was fun, man, because we had played Kansas State actually the year before, and they blew us out the water at Kansas State. I mean, they beat us by like 30 or so. But I was, I was playing with a torn labrum. 
you know, we were young. Evan was young. Yasu was young. Tommy was young. You know, we, we were still trying to figure it out. So when we got that, that draw on Selection Sunday, we all just kind of looked at each other like, yeah, they might, it might be quiet for them. We, like, if we were going to get any draw, don't give us a team we played before. Right. We kind of found out one of their players, their, their main pieces wasn't playing. And we were going into that game on a 17-game winning streak and just won them the championship by 30. So our confidence was at an all-time high. My confidence has never been higher. And uh, we had nothing to lose. You yeah. Know? It's hard to play some, someone who has nothing to lose. And uh, we got lucky with the draw in, in San Jose. It was damn near home game. And, and honestly, the rest is history. Facts. Facts, facts. Well, I mean, you kind of touched on it um, when you were talking about the process of uh, when you were redshirted your freshman year and kind of how you decided at that point that you were going to grad transfer at some point later in your career. Um, But my I mean, my question was after like that run that y'all had with Irvine, like what sparked your decision to to transfer your with your last year of eligibility? Was there anything else that kind of went into that process? And like, what was your experience in the transfer portal as a whole? Because I feel like a lot of people don't really get the opportunity to, to yeah. learn about that process. I mean, it's the process was. I did. I had no idea going into it what the process was going to be like. I'm like, how do coaches reach out? Do I reach out to coaches? I wasn't really sure. Um, but after I, you know, I had that those games at UCI, and, and we just had recently lost to Oregon. You know, my coach pulled me aside, and he just kind of let me know, like, hey. I know you're going to have the option to grad transfer. If that's something you want to explore, then by all means, just just let me know. And so he kind of gave me the green light to, to explore my options. Um, and then I enter the portal. I have to, like, reach out to compliance and let them know that I'm going to explore my uh, my option, you know, to grad transfer. And so she entered me in the portal, whatever that means. And then uh, coaches just started calling. I mean, I got a, after I got off the phone with the compliance lady, I got a call probably in the next five minutes. And then wow. right after I got closer, I couldn't even be on the phone for a minute without eight other schools calling me. And I'm not knowing who's calling. I'm just seeing area codes. Yeah. Um, which was exciting, man, which is honestly, you know, more than just basketball, that that's what everybody always wants, you know, just to be wanted, just to want to, you know, kind of feel special and, and feel like I'm doing something right. So that was exciting, man. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're just running with it, bro. Like, my next question was, how did it feel to finally be considered that high major prospect after all that you worked – after all the work that you put in to get to that point? Dude, it's, it's – I was kind of caught somewhere in between. Like, man, this is so surreal. And also, like, of course y'all come, you know? Right. It's somewhere in between, like, this is everything I've ever wanted. This is everything I deserve. But also, like, no way Sean Miller is actually calling my phone. No way Mark Few is actually banging my line. So – it was it was exciting. Um, it was surreal, but also like it was what it was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. And to name a few, what were some of the other schools that were on your short list besides like Arizona? Um, well, obviously Arizona, Oregon State, Gonzaga, um, St. John's, Minnesota. A, a lot of big time, for lack of a better term, schools. But I kind of had to find a fit. You know, I wasn't really sure where I would fit. This is going to be a one-year thing, which is really like a nine-month yeah. stint. Let me figure out, you know, who I who will I get along with? What are the teammates like? You know, what role do they see me playing? 
what grad school program can I get into? There were so many variables in this decision I have to make, you know, quickly. Our season ran pretty long by going to the second round of the tournament. And I wasn't trying to announce that I was transferring right after. You right. know, we had a story. I want to enjoy all this with my teammates and my coaches. But I also got to get the ball rolling if I'm going to if I'm going to transfer. So it was like a quick, really quick process, um, but an exciting one, but an exciting one. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, um, that really puts you, I feel like, in a, in a very special position, especially within the college basketball world as a whole, um, not mm-hmm. just within UC Irvine or with any other schools that were calling. Um, but you had a really, really, really unique opportunity for one that I was extremely happy for you, bro, was that um, when it came time for you to make that announcement, you did it via not just, you know, social media is a, a really big platform nowadays, but you did it via uninterrupted, which was, you know, one of the, which is still one of the biggest, you know, digital media platforms that are, that are out there on social media. So kind of tell us how that opportunity came about and why you felt um, the uninterrupted announcement was the right way to make, uh, make word of your transfer from Irvine to Arizona. Right, man. I think it's, it's all about branding. Um, it's all about branding myself. One of the things I was kind of telling my, my coach Russell Turner when it was time for me to leave I kind of let him know like coach I'm doing this for me you know I hear you and I know you you guys want me to stay and and hopefully we could run it back but more than anything I'm trying to build a brand you know I'm trying to build Max Hazard I've worked I've worked tirelessly you know I've worked days in days out so I feel like I owe this to myself and the way I'm going to do it I'm going to I'm going to put you guys on the map even more if I can um, as well as myself and, and do what I want, you know, for me and my family. Um, so the uninterrupted thing kind of came into fruition because I had started my clothing brand, you know, in my sophomore year in college. Mm-hmm. And I had gotten wind from compliance that I wasn't allowed to do X, Y, and Z. And so I reached out to uninterrupted just kind of through a DM, just kind of quickly giving them a rundown of my story. And they hit me back. We got on the phone. We kind of talked about potential stories they may be able to run, whatever. Didn't end up running a story, but I had those contacts. Um, and then when I was posting, you know, my different schools that I was thinking about, when I was, you know, reposting my list or whatever, they had reached out to me and asked me if I'd want to commit, you know, via their platform. And it was just kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. And how did that feel on that platform, especially because that was around the time where. Bron had just kind of launched the whole more than an athlete thing. Obviously, that's been uninterrupted as MO uh, for their entire conception, but like it was, it was really on like full speed ahead at that point in time. How did it feel to be recognized at, at that point, at that level, the uninterrupted? It was exciting for me, man. I mean, you have LeBron's company wanting to have me make my announcement on their platform. Yeah. Especially with their MO being more than an athlete, that's something that I've always felt I was, you know, that was always the case for me. I always felt like I was more than an athlete. I've always felt creative. I've always felt, you know, like I was an entrepreneur, whether it was music, fashion, whatever the case may be, it was never just basketball. So, I mean, that's kind of always why I've gravitated towards Uninterrupted. And so to be able to kind of make, you know, my last quote unquote basketball decision through Uninterrupted, it was just, the pieces fit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I obviously know um, one of the really big reasons why you chose Arizona as your landing place, um, but kind of talk to the people about why Arizona was such a special destination for you, for those of the people that might not know. 
Yeah, my brother, Jacob, um, he played at Arizona. He was a walk-on as well um, for four years. And four of the years they went to the Elite Eight, or sorry, two out of the four years they went to the Elite Eight. They were the number one team in the country for a couple years. I mean, my brother had the best college experience of anyone I know. Um, you know, my brother, they say he's a mayor of Tucson, just with, with his smile. Laptop at the That's the leader of Walk-On Nation. Exactly, man. He, he was a leader of Walk-On Nation, and I've always felt as if my brother never got what he deserved. My brother really, 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 I know you know he really has game. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's without a doubt, one of the best shooters to come out of L.A. I ever seen. Right? So it was always hard for me to to watch him not play. It yeah. was always and he was fine with it, you know, he came to terms with it and he bought into his role. And that's one of the reasons he's gonna be so successful. Um, but I was like, man, if I could go to Arizona one and have, you know, half of the college experience my brother had, I'd be happy. And two, if I can go there and play and put, you know, Hazard back on the jersey and put it on the court, I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna do it in my brother's name, I'm gonna do it in my family's name. And, I'm going to have a blast while I do it. So it was really, honestly, I wanted to see out all my options. I would have loved to, you know, stay at home and go to UCLA or SC, but it was hard. I felt like the Arizona move almost meant more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was it like? Obviously, you have – your family has very special ties to Arizona because of Jacob. But yeah. more importantly, y'all have very special ties to UCLA given uh, Walt. Walt Hazard, who those of you who don't know, is Max is very – one of the greatest basketball players to ever walk this earth um, is, a, is a very special member of your family. So what was it like to play uh, just in the Pac-12 in general, given your family's history with the conference? It was exciting. It was almost weird just to see all these arenas in person. Mm -hmm. I had played in LA. I played in SC. Um, but besides that, I'm like, damn. These arenas are one bigger in person, and two, they're they're filled. These games are sold out. They're on national TV. So just kind of having that experience that I've always wanted to have, to be in those gyms and arenas that you know my grandfather played in, my brother played in, even my dad. My dad walked on at Stanford for two years. So it was cool just to kind of be in the Pac-12 family for you know even six, seven, eight months. I, it was exciting for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. I actually didn't know that your dad walked on to Stanford. That's crazy. The Pac-12 ties are even yeah. deeper. Yeah. That's wild. My dad got Yeah, I can shoot a little bit, too. That's wild. That's wild. Well, I mean, um, so I think uh, an article that I read online kind of mentioned uh, your averages at Arizona in comparison to your last year at Irvine or your, your career at Irvine, um, and even how you missed the last few games of the season with Arizona. So were you were you kind of were you satisfied with the role that you played on the team this past season or, or what was your, what was your kind of approach to the role that you played at Arizona? It, it was, I'd be lying to say it wasn't tough. You know, I went to Arizona. Um, I didn't go to Arizona to have a smaller role. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wanted to have the same role. I, uh, I planned to have the same role, but things happen. You know, we, we, it's a team at the end of the day. It's not the Max Hazard show. You know, we got Nico Mann, we got Josh Green. We have Zeke Naji. We have a team full of potential NBA players. And so just kind of figuring that out, we had nine new guys out of, you know, a 15-man roster. So it was a lot of moving pieces. It was a lot of trying to get us to mesh really quickly. And then, as you know, in college, especially at the high major level, that's really, really, really hard to do. There's not much margin for error. Yeah. So it ended up 
you know, being what it was, I, I don't know, maybe I averaged like five, four or five points, whatever the case may be, opposed to like 13. But it, it was really the experience is why I went. I didn't go to Arizona to try to propel myself to get drafted. That was never the goal. You know, the goal was to go there and have a great experience. The goal was to go there and play in front of 15,000 and, and put Hazard on the back of the Arizona jersey. And I, and I did all that. Um, and I had fun while I did it. And I, I made, you know, a million new relationships. I got friends now that and friendships that are last a lifetime. So I'm super grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I kind of, I, I really resonate with that because, you know, obviously our experiences in college were much different, but I feel like that was a really big reason as to why I chose UCLA. Um, I, I felt as you did that I was really under recruited in high school and had a couple of different opportunities to go play at a couple of really low major schools, but decided to go to UCLA strictly for academics and ended up being able to walk on. Um, and yeah. I felt like that was one of the most important decisions that I made in my life because, you know, you meet so many people that are not just associated with UCLA basketball, but, you know, at these universities, there's boosters that are, God knows who running God knows what company that could help you get a job or break into an industry after you graduate. So I, I definitely understand that. That's one of the things like that I've always had so much admiration and respect for, for my brother was that like, man, he, he put his pride aside and, and same with you. It's like everybody wants to play at the end of the day. Yeah. It's, it's to sit on the bench and not be a part of it, but to be able to do it, to be able to buy into a role, to be able to be a great teammate it just sets you up for to be successful in life. And, and it's dope to see you kind of do the same things, you know? I, I'm excited for, for what's to come for you as well. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that. So what was it like playing uh, with, you know, potential draft, draft prospects like Nico Mannion? Because um, I think when I was at UCLA playing alongside Zoe during my senior year, um, yeah. I had a conversation with Coach Alford, and Coach Alford was like, you know, really buy into this year because, you know, you're playing with guys like, Zoe, TJ Leaf, E.K. Anibogu, who ended up going that year too. And, you know, to, to understand the level that the team was projected to at that point in time and realizing like where they were going to take the team and, and how they were going to spin, you know, the season in everyone's favor. Um, what was it like playing with guys like Nico Mannion and, and Zeke Naji that kind of that kind of drove that team? It, it was it was exciting, man. Every day in practice, I felt like I was saying things I've never really seen before. Mm -hmm. Like he dunked that or like, oh my God, he, he made that. Yeah. So it was kind of see these pros in live action. I mean, I've been around basketball my whole life. I've, you know, my uncle was coaching the NBA. I've been in NBA workouts, but to see these dudes every day, kind of the way they go about their business, especially for their age, it's like, my God, dude. Yeah. You have everything in your future. You have everything in front of you. So I mean, more than anything, I'm I'm excited for those dudes because they're they're great they're great guys they're great kids they go about their business the right way on and off the floor, so I mean I see nothing but success for them and it, it was dope to kind of be the old head it was it was interesting to be the old head but also not the best player it's it's an interesting dynamic um, but something that I bought into something I enjoyed and and those are my friends forever so. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, well, we talked about what the what the season meant to you and, you know, the role that you played and, and what it was like, you know, being a that, that voice of reason for your teammates. Um, mm -hmm. How did it feel as a senior to have your, your last run uh, at an NCAA title, especially, you know, with the highly favored squad that you guys had be cut short due to the, the whole COVID pandemic? 
It's it sucked, man. It still it still sucks. I would have loved to to run it back in the tournament. Um, you know, I can say this now, especially since no one can prove it. I was going to hit ten threes. In that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, it sucks, man. I, I wish we could have you know played in the tournament as does everybody else, especially the seniors. But I mean, there's people obviously out here sick, people dying, people losing jobs. So I can't complain too much. But um, I would have loved another crack at it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I mean, I know that, um, you know, being in a pandemic kind of made it hard to to think about playing basketball, as, as you described, you know, with everybody being sick and people losing jobs. Basketball is not necessarily on the forefront of a lot of people's minds. Um, and we talked about mm-hmm. kind of how you've never had a one-track mindset to where basketball is always kind of just a one thing for you that could help you, that could help propel you to other opportunities in life. But were there ever thoughts of, you know, a prolonged career in basketball? whether that be overseas or, or any other types of opportunities that might have came your way? Yeah, I mean, I'd be lying to say that, like, I, you know, hadn't thought about a professional career playing basketball. I mean, I, I would have loved, you know, to explore my options, whether that be overseas, whether that be, you know, in the G League, two-way contract, or whatever the case may be. But a part of me just feels I have so much more to offer, so much more than just shooting threes, so much more than just, you know, making shots and taking shots that I've been playing basketball my whole life. I've enjoyed every tiny sliver and every bit of it. Um, but for me, I just kind of feel like it's on to the next thing. Uh, I'm almost really, really, really content with the way my basketball career is going. Really content with everything I achieved um, and all the experiences and all the teammates and in games I've played in. I'm, I'm beyond grateful. But now I'm, I'm just kind of ready for the, for the next thing. I'm ready to do it again in, in, a, different, in a different lane. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so that being said, what do you kind of feel like is a, a natural next step for you in life or career wise? I'm still trying to figure that out, obviously. Um, and that's what this time has kind of been bittersweet for. Um, it's been great because it's allowed me to kind of, you know, dive into the things I've never really had the time to dive into. It's, mm-hmm. it's allowed for different avenues and different and different things that I may, you know, want to be a part of but but also hard to get concrete things right now like who's hiring um you know who's who's looking for you know for employees right now no one really but it's been dope for me to be able to kind of do my own thing um and so stuff life kind of gets back strong yeah 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 and uh for those of you who follow him on social media uh, i'm sure you've seen uh one of the dopest brands that that i've seen come out of la thus far as a brand scene um, so kind of tell us about, you know, the idea, what sparked the idea behind it um, or what, what, what the theme of the brand is and kind of does, does the message tie into your career or anything at all or, or how does that work? Yeah, so I started seeing probably, I, I, like I said before, I think it was my sophomore year of college and um, I had been DJing for years. I mean, I've probably been DJing for like eight or nine years maybe. And uh, one thing I've always kind of touched on is, as a DJ, there's nothing more fulfilling than, than playing a song that everyone knows, but that everyone kind of forgot about, right? It kind of brings everybody together, um, everybody kind of going crazy, singing the same song, just having a blast. Nothing, it's, it's, it's like making a game winner, you know? It's like it's like hitting a shot at the buzzer. It's that same type of feeling. So I was just trying to find a way to do that same thing, but with clothes, right? Trying to bring back iconic moments that everybody knows, but maybe forgot about. Try to just highlight, you know, different things in pop culture that have, you know, kind of gotten lost, but bring them back. Um, 
And so, yeah, seeing that's really what it is, you know, one of our MOs is nothing lasts forever, as well as, you know, nostalgia at its finest, always timeless. So really just tapping into the idea of time to idea of iconic moments and just trying to cherish everything because, you know, because nothing lasts forever, you know, you, you want to cherish everything, you want to you appreciate everything, but at the same time, like, these things can live on, whether it's through clothes, through music, through just memories in general. So that's really the, the basis of the brand. Um, and I'm obviously putting my creative spin on everything, just, just kind of having fun with it because I feel like I'm a creative. Yeah, yeah. And have you had any experience within the fashion industry at all or, or ever thought about, you know, pursuing a career in that? Because I feel like, uh, or has the brand hit that turning point for you to where you feel like it could be? And obviously you're out here hustling and getting things done every day, but to where it could be your everyday, you know, right. to work. Yeah, um, I interned at Guess um, maybe my junior year of college. I was um, I think econ. we talked about that, yeah. I was, I was an intern at Guess. I was working in e-commerce, and I enjoyed it. I learned a lot, and it just kind of made me want to start my own thing. I was like, you know, I have a, a pretty decent network. I know a pretty decent amount of people, and I th- think I dress okay. So why not kind of get it Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. Um, you know, I've, I've started to gain a little bit of traction with the brand, which has been really exciting just to kind of get, trying to get it out there and, and people are kind of supporting my story with, you know, the NCAA and not allowing, you know, you to use your, your image, your likeness or whatever to promote any type of business. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people kind of, you know, appreciate that story, appreciate the hustle. Um, and so I've had a lot of supporters as of late and I'm really only just getting started, whether this is going to be my everyday thing or, uh, just a side thing I just I hope it's always a thing yeah yeah and what do you what do you feel about kind of like uh the NCAA just now starting to explore avenues for players to be able to use their image and likeness uh to be able to do yeah. things I think one of the most unique stories that I heard uh as of late was there's this chick named like Katie DeFeo who's at SC and she was doing vlogs while she was like a rower at SC and I think you know people started to reach out to her for like brand deals and the compliance department was like, nah, like you got to stop all of this. And it's just like, I'm literally just putting my face in a video. Like, how, how do you feel about right. you know, that potentially being able to change when, you know, you could have been doing yeah. this from jump? I think it's just a matter of time. You know, I think that's what needs to happen. Like you can't put these kids in a box, you know, you can't put your student athletes in the box, especially the, the ones who are making you the money. I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to keep it amateur. They, they don't want people to be making money off of this because, you know, it's, it's I guess they say it's a privilege, not a right. But at the end of the day, people got to be able to use their name, their image, because it's theirs to, to make money in any way, shape, or form that they want to. Terrible timing for me, obviously, but I'm going to put it on the back end. <laughs> Honestly, I feel, the, I feel the same way, too, because I feel like, you know, obviously I was just a walk-on and – not not very many people knew who I was, but you know, when I was in college, I still had like 14, 15,000 Instagram followers to where it could have been like, if I wanted to try and do something with a brand, that was the time. That's when my platform was at its highest. Definitely. The team you're on, the teammates that you had, it's creative and, and as much as a hustler you are, who knows what that would have turned into, you know? But right. Now it just made you go harder now, so you'll be all right. Man. Man, for real, for real. And one last thing before I let you go is uh, you touched on it a little bit. And obviously, I know about it. um, Just haven't been to events and because we're pretty close. But kind of talk to us about um, the time that you spend DJing and how you how you got into that. 
Yeah, my uncle, um, he gave me turntables um, when I was like about to go to high school. And my uncle's a music producer. I think he's like four-time Grammy Award winning. He's worked with, with Drake, Dr. Dre, Eminem. So he's a pretty, um, you know, established producer. And he started off as a DJ. His name is uh, DJ Khalil. And I've we've kind of always shared that love for music. Anytime we're together, we're, you know, going back and forth, playing each other's songs, asking each other who we're listening to, and trying to figure out who he's working with. Um, and just kind of picking his brain in the studio. I have a really, really rich love for music, and he's a big part of that. Yeah. And so when he comes to those, I was like, let me put these these bad boys to use. And I, I did a couple of school dances. Um, I've done a couple of weddings. I've DJed um, at different bars out in LA and, and both in uh, Orange County as well. So I love DJing. I wish I could be DJing right now. Um, but when things open back up, hopefully. Yeah. Is that other something that you kind of thought about pursuing? Like whether not just the music industry, but maybe DJing specifically, especially given the opportunities that there are in the world for DJs to make a name for themselves today. Like, I think I see like guys like Zach Bia decide that they're going to become a, a DJ now. Right. It, it was wild to see Bia start DJing. I'm like, damn, this dude does it all. But like, why not? You know? So I don't want to say, Hey, I'm never going to be a DJ again. Um, I would love to, you know, do scene and, and DJ. I would also love to, to get into the music industry, whether that's A&R, whether that's, you know, branding partnerships for different uh, artists. You know, I'm pretty open, man. I'm, I'm really just trying to figure it out. I definitely want to be in somewhat of a creative space because um, I think that's where I bring the most value. But um, whether it's music, whether it's sports, um, whether it's me building my own brand, um, you know, man, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out, but it's a good time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, um, with the show being titled Basketball Adjacent, is there anything adjacent? basketball specifically that you think playing basketball has awarded you throughout your time playing like any specific opportunity um anything that you don't think that you would have gotten having you not been playing basketball um i mean at the end of the day i've, I've gotten two degrees from from two great um institutions for free so i got my bachelor's i'm finishing up my master's program right now so for that i'm forever internally grateful for what basketball has, has kind of done for me and I had a coach when I was playing with the Oakland Soldiers who always used to tell me, you know, use basketball, don't, don't let it use you. Know when to stop, you know, meet people um, and, and use it as a tool opposed to be the tool. So that's something that I've always tried to tried to keep, you know, in the, in the forefront of my mind. And now that I'm, it's time for me to transition into, you know, different things, I feel like I'm, I'm more fit than, than the average hooper. So I'm excited for what's to come, man. And just, Forever grateful for basketball. It's always going to be my number one thing. Yeah, bro. That's what's up. That's what's up. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Basketball Adjacent Podcast. I want to give a, a big shout out, big thank you to my guy, Max Hazard, for joining us today. Um, you can follow Max on all social media platforms at Max Hazard, uh, exactly how it sounds, M-A-X-H-A-Z-Z-A-R-D. Um, Max, is there anything you want to say to the people before we get going? Jerry was the realest in the game, man, so keep listening. I appreciate you, bro. I appreciate you. Thanks for having on, dog. Yeah, bro. Of course, man. Thanks for having me, bro. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and tune in to the Basketball Adjacent Podcast on your favorite audio platform or always on Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V dot com. 
Interested in advertising on the Basketball Adjacent Podcast? Hit me up on any social platform at at Gerald H. Timms. That's at sign J-E-R-R-O-L-D-H-T-I-M-S. And stay tuned for updates on bi-weekly episodes and what to expect next. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.